So, um, yeah, excited to do this um, mission workshop. I was originally going to talk about our, uh, our DNAs. Um, we had, uh, we do, we, we call them three to ones in our, in our church, but I sent you like our two page cheat sheet of your Facebook group. So you can go read all about that and, and Hope's version is probably better anyway, so go read her one. Um, and, um, oh, I was going to say it at the start, just uh, wanted to publicly say it as well, like, yeah, just how good that session was. Like, thanks to Pam and, and Anita and the whole band. And yeah, that was amazing. Just, yeah, just the freedom to worship, to really worship for our soul, uh, uh, worship to our Lord. And, uh, and also, wanted to say, Chris as well, some really amazing kids talks. I feel like uh, we're going to have to bring that sort of inspiration back to our kids. Oh, actually, I do sometimes do kids talks. I mean, it might be two a year. Um, so, <laughs> we'll see. Um, um, but yeah, so I want to be talking about the mission uh, today. And uh, if, if you've watched kind of the original SOMA videos, you know that this is classic SOMA. All the original SOMA videos I watched, all Jeff and himself with the whiteboard. And so we're going to see if we can do some of that replicate that kind of vibe uh, in this session as well. So um, I'm going to be covering kind of two things, which are, uh, I think, uh, you can say they're kind of two, two, two of my tools that, we, that I use. Um, the first one is, um, so first one is a tool to help us think about a, a pathway or a process for mission. So we're all about mission communities, but to think about what's the process from someone who doesn't know Jesus at all, is maybe even hostile to the, the, the end of the process where they're, they're baptized in the body of Christ and they're a member of Soma Blue Mountains. Uh, so that's the first tool. And then the second tool is gonna, I'm going to share um, a tool around gospel conversation. Like how do you have kind of meaningful and hopefully impactful gospel conversations with people who don't yet know Jesus. And so I'm going to be sharing a tool um, there as well, hopefully both of them useful for you. Um, but this is a super interactive session, so please feel free to sort of ask questions, stop me uh, along the way, and uh, I want this to be as sort of helpful for you as possible. Um, and so if you think I'm on a, uh, focusing on the wrong thing, just please redirect me. Okay, cool. So this first tool is um, it's called a six. I don't know what you call it, a six-step pathway of funnel. It's actually, it was actually made by my colleague at City to City. Her name is Julianne Lee, who's been a, a kind of campus evangelist at Melbourne Union for like 25 years. Honestly, she's one of the best evangelists I know. And she, this is a funnel that she invented. Now, I don't know if you have something similar here. So, so, um, <clears throat> so this is a funnel that she, uh, that she made. Um, and basically, um, in, in this funnel, the way to think about how do we, what's the process of guiding people from, you know, who've completely disconnected and have never heard of Jesus to the end where they're uh, in, in community in church. So she's got six steps to this funnel. I'm just going to write them out first. Questions, Jesus, Bible, and church. I'll explain what I mean when I go along. I kind of added my own version at the start where we have the real first step, I think, is prayer. 
not one of the official ones, but that's my extra one. That uh, we, we that's the starting point for mission. We need to pray, pray that God would bring uh, into our midst people who get to know Jesus, whose hearts are whose hearts are open. Um, but anyway, so here here's what the process is. So so um, the idea of the funnel, why it's a funnel instead of a, maybe just a pathway, is that we'll interact with a lot of people who are not Christian in our lives. At work, at school, wherever we may be, at our kids' schools. Um, and not everyone is going to make it all the way to the end where they're in the water being baptized. In my experience, there's a lot more people I share the gospel with that don't become Christians than those that do. I'm guessing that might be the same for you as well. So the first thing in this funnel is just recognize that that's just a reality. That's just a reality that many people like. What does Jesus say? Um, uh, narrow is the road that leads to life and wide is a path to destruction. And that's the reality. And, and I mean, that's sad, but we, we need to be realistic. And so that's the first thing to recognize. And so it's important to, to realize that, um, yeah, not everyone's going to make it all the way. So, so, th- so that's why, in a sense, the funnel shows, like, typically, the typical pattern is fewer people will take that step to go deeper and deeper and deeper. So um, first thing is love. So what do, does, she, does she mean by love? Basically, the idea is find practical ways to show love. If you think about the, you guys use the, the blessed rhythms, right? Or do you use something else? Do you use Just the... The six rhythms. Six rhythms, yeah, that's right. So, um, so you've got blessed, I'm sure it's one of the rhythms, right? Yeah. So, so thinking about, similar to that, right, the blessed rhythm, how do you, how do you um, practically show love to people in your midst? And, and I think, um, and you know, there's a million and one ways to do that. Um, and, and okay, so from there, then um, the next step, I think is a key one, is those who are open when you show love to them. Some people are like, oh yeah, that's nice, thank you, that's such a nice thing for you to do. And that's all they want, and they're just kind of not merely open to taking the next step. But those who are open, it's helpful to bring them to some kind of context where um, a Sam Chan, a CPC evangelist, right, who talks about this idea of combining the universes. You've got this universe of, of um, uh, non-Christian friends, and you have a universe of Christian friends, and, and never the three shall meet, but how do you bring them together? So, like the climbing, I think the climbing GC, you might have a whole slew of non-Christian climbing friends and you've got your on belay, is that right? Um, yeah. GC? Yeah. And basically how do, do those um, universes combine, right? And that's this step here. That's step two. <coughs> and, but I guess when you've got something like shared passion, like climbing, then it's quite realistic that that can happen. Um, so that's, that's what, that, what step two is. Step three is, um, is questions. So as, you know, as it says in, in, in John, 14, by this day, you will know all my disciples by your love for one another, right? And so as you're kind of, let's say, climbing together, um, uh, they start wondering, hey, you guys are different from all the other climbing groups that have been around. Like, you guys will seem to swear or make sexual jokes or, you know, you have fun but not get too crazy. And, and like, what's that about? And so they might have questions about your faith, particularly if they find out they're Christian. So um, I think that's a key step as well. So this question is not so much that you're kind of necessarily pressuring them, but when they're open, I think they will typically ask you questions. And, and it's just sort of like loving them, having that social environment, and waiting for that opportunity when it does come, and when the question comes, that we're ready to give an answer to this one here. So, so that's step three. And this is an important shift in the process, I think, because that's when 
that's the first time it goes from kind of quote unquote a natural to a spiritual conversation eh? like at this stage you may not really be talking about anything spiritual at all and that's all completely okay but here is where spiritual conversation starts to happen now <clears throat> as they ask questions so they might be asking something as simple as oh so yeah, what, what do you guys even do in church anyway like, what, what happens in church like very practical questions like oh they're like oh you know we have like some we sing some songs there's a teaching there's uh, activities for kids da, 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 and those are that's a good kind of safe in, in, initial uh, initial questions but <clears throat> but the, the key step is we need to get them here and we need to get them to a point where we're telling them something about Jesus I think this is a key shift from just talking about spiritual matters maybe more broadly and sometimes here there can also be what, what uh, often apo- apologetic questions right so so there might be certain kind of Keller calls them defeated defeat belief blockers. So, for example, like, hey, is it true? Like, why are Christians so like homophobic or, or transphobic? Like, you know, is, is that the case or is that unfair? And so, and that's clearly a barrier for them, a blocker. And so, what happens here is you're actually trying to kind of undo that defeated belief or that blocker. Um, with, and that's really an apologetic thing, isn't it? Like to explain to them to give a defense for um, why it is that we believe. That what we believe in and how we aren't transported or homophobic. And then we, but we need to get to Jesus, right? We need to get to the gospel, really. And this is the gospel here. Um, how do we communicate to them the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus in a way that makes sense to them in their worldview, in their context, in their culture, that is good news to them, right? That's the key thing. And, you know, with gospel fluency, a lot of resources, to help you think about that. Okay, so that's that's cool. And I mean, I'm, in my life, I have had some experiences where I've met someone, I've shared the gospel with them, and they said, this is what you need to do to repent and believe. And they say, okay, let's do it. And I'm like, sure. Oh, great, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> and, and, and I pray, and then, they become a Christian, like on the spot. First time, first gospel presentation, immediately become a Christian. Probably happened to me, I don't know, maybe like two times in my life. Like, that's super rare, right? It's very rare that you meet someone for the first time, or even if you've met them for a while, first time you present the gospel, boom, they become a Christian straight away. Repent and believe. Um, and usually it's, it's not really, it may not be the first time, it's actually the spirits that work through them, through other people with different scenarios, and you just happen to be the one that leads them. Uh, across the line so to speak so I think what happens though here once you present Jesus to them and if they're open and they're and they open not just to hear about Jesus once but to find out more about Jesus then I think the next step is you need to bring them into a context where they can regularly um, encounter the person of Jesus in the scriptures so uh, I think so that's the thing I think the key shift I think, for MC thinking is we need to get like the understanding why we need so I think a lot of churches don't know how to do this at all but I think in MC uh, kind of world one of the dangers is we get stuck here and we don't know how to get people here uh, in a way that's natural or makes sense but the key, this is the key because this is where if the word of God is powerful to transform us that's where the transformation is going to happen so my, that could be maybe one to one in an informal way let's catch up and let's just talk about the Bible uh, or let's read the Bible together it could be it could be your MC that's reading the Bible together 
and uh, or, or maybe even to church. I mean, for some people, if they open enough to come to church, that's great, but um, often it's not. And so what are other kind of contexts where that can happen? Uh, another example of this as well is uh, Alpha. So like something like Alpha, I think you mentioned Dave before, Alpha, right? Yeah. You, you guys do Alpha? So Alpha is obviously an introduction to Jesus. Some people, as you are in Sydney, I'm sure you know this very well, some people are very critical of Alpha. Um, uh, in, in the Sydney world, and, and there's kind of some Sydney Anglican-minded people where I am as well. They've influenced churches far and wide. But I always say, look, this doesn't have to give you a systematic theology. This is just an introduction to Jesus. So what if it misses out one, two, three, other four, five doctrines? How, how often do you have a conversation with someone and you actually don't say all there is to say about all the doctrines? Um, and so what if it doesn't have kind of atonement wrath of God? You, you, can, you can deal with that later. Like, that's why it's a process, it's not a one-off thing that does everything. That's why you have this step. Then yes, as they read more of the Bible, whatever's not there in the Alpha, whatever tool you use up here, you, you'll, get, you'll get there, right? It's okay to not have everything here. Do you expect what they Totally, totally. And that captures in a nutshell one of why Alpha is a good tool. Like the genius of Alpha is its primary primary aim is to, yeah, as you said, give a space for people to ask questions without feeling judged and, and feeling like you're going to be harassed or be blah, blah, blah. Because that's their, their preconception. Um, and yeah, we can do that there. <clears throat> okay, and then finally, the last step of the funnel is when they're kind of in community enough to get them... Um, so I think it's important to get them eventually. So maybe, I don't know whether NC might be like a half step here or something, but I do think that we need to be clear, the end goal for mission is whoever you're reaching here who's your friend now, you need to imagine that one day, they're in a the water being baptized by you. And then they're in here, up here, like with a guitar or they're leading kids off. Imagine that for your friend. Like imagine that one day they're doing that, right? That is the goal for them. Like we need to be begin with the end in mind and remember the goal is they're baptized, serving, living for Jesus. That's what we're, we're uh, working towards. So that's kind of the pathway. Um, and, and finally, that's the that's angle. Um, I was talking to um, Simon just before. Wait, Simon? Oh, here, here, here. I was going to get into it. So <clears throat> I'll, just, I'll, use his, I'll use his story. It would, it would be better if you see about I'll just use his story. So I was asking him, hey, how did you become Christian? And he said, I actually became Christian really late in life. I thought, how many of you know, know Simon relatively well? Or is he family? He's family new, right? So he said to me, um, unlike my wife who grew up in church, I only became a Christian at the age of 26, I think he said. And I was like, oh, tell me how did you become a Christian? Because he became a Christian before coming to Soma. And he said, I think he was going to a, a Baptist church in, um, did you say Montclair? Is that somewhere? St. Clair. St. Clair. And, um, and he said, oh, like, what, was your, what, what was your journey like? And I said, and he told me, and this is a brief version, so I don't know the full story, but he's like, oh, uh, I had a friend, we were both kind of good friends, we were both not Christians, but then he became a Christian, and, um, and he became kind of really interested, like, so he was like, oh, interesting, like, you know, you've your, um, you, you got all these things that we feel like we're missing in our life, but he, um, yeah, but he, he, he said, I, I found the answer in Christianity. And so then he said, hmm, okay, well, that's interesting. Maybe I should find out a bit more about it. And so I guess he, he's, he had a friend here um, 
who, who, showed him, who showed him love, right? Who, who, who already had that love and trust in that relationship and wasn't sort of coercive, but was sort of, you know, letting him take his time. Now, the next thing Simon told me was from, from there, the friend invited him to a social thing of a gym, which was his church soccer team. Or I would say football, but there, that's all right, contextualization. Uh, and, and so he joins the church soccer team and he's like, oh yeah, sure, I'll, I'll play soccer. And he's there and he's playing and having a great time and he's getting to know all these other Christians on, on the soccer team, right? The kind of two universes colliding thing. And, um, and then he, he starts asking more questions, right? About, oh, okay, so what, what do you guys, this is what you normally do, what, what, what else do you do as Christians? Like, what do you believe? Da, da, da. He's starting to ask questions. And then they kind of say, hey, you know what you should do? You should come along to church. And at first he's like, ah, oh, yeah, I'm too, I'm too busy, you know, Sunday, I work so hard during the week, I need to sleep in. And so, and so he's there, and he's there like, oh, no, that's cool, yeah, no, 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 you know, no, no stress, you know. Uh, like, you know, take, take your time. Like, we're not gonna pressure you to come to church. But then, in between that, he's having conversations about Jesus with his mate, right? Like a friend, I don't know what his friend's name is. Who was, um, you know, who first who first became a Christian and, and, and is trying to trying to share it. and and I, I didn't he didn't explicitly say this, but I would guess that that friend would use the Bible in those conversations. I'm guessing, reading a, a sanctified guess there. Um, but then eventually, then he gets to the point where you know what, I will go to church. I will go and check out what you guys, what it's all about. And so he wakes up early for once and he goes to church, keeps going there. Well, he goes once and he goes back again, and again, again, again. And then he meets his wife. Is his wife here? Um, Emily. Yeah. He meets Emily and they get married and they have a beautiful uh, girl and uh, I think it's Story. And, they, and today they're here as well, right? So, I mean, I'm not saying that every single story kind of maps on super nicely to this. And sometimes, you know, you can jump steps and what have you, like it's not super, but I, I do think it's helpful to think sequentially. And, uh, and, and all the time I meet people and I hear this story and I can kind of map it onto this thing. Um, so, okay, please. I feel like this is always can be cyclical, but even if you're a Christian, that you need to keep cycling around and have a GC or an MC, that keeps you prayerful, that you still exist in love in a Christian community. There's still the social opportunity for questions that like, we continue like cycle through this funnel rather than like that being an endpoint or a replacement. Like, yeah. yeah, it feels well all those things are a part of the church. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So church being a holistic thing as well, rather than yeah. just a Sunday. Yeah, and not but also not just a a way of conversion, it's actually a way of yeah. living. Yeah. So think all those yeah. things need to stay in place. It's not just pass through the state. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 that's right. Spot yeah. on. Yeah, no, that's a really good observation. And uh, maybe I should draw a second diagram where it's a, a circle as well. It's, but, circle but, but, it's like the gospel, it's the gospel dance, isn't it? Yeah, because we meant to be like to stay in relationship with Jesus and, you know, as a, the body of Christ, like we should mm. be still focusing on this for all of our Christian friends. Yeah, but it's obviously a way of mission, but just a way of, yeah. That's awesome. Right. 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 I 
would like to think around the Bible and the church being a solid thing rather than a line in between the two. Mm. Um, sure. Because it is so important for a person who um, makes a commitment to Jesus <coughs> to be grown. Mm. Um, the Billy Graham Crusade of 1959, a really uh, enormous time of growth in, in the church because he reached so many people. Yeah. But uh, talking to people who were there at that time, yes. um, there's a strong belief that he was so successful because everyone who made a commitment like out front at that time was connected to a church. Mm. No one was left without a church to grow them. Yeah. Um, and I think um, that's a really important thing for us mm. as a church is someone walks into church, um, we go, why is this person here? Yeah. Um, and this person's come for a reason. I've been brought by a friend, I've turned up by myself, so comes on comes on to all of us to um, to take over that office place church thing. Thanks, Peter. That's a really good observation. I'll make two comments based on what you just said. First thing is you can even say, like you said, this is one block, right? You can really think of this as kind of two phases, like that. So I have another diagram, which I, I won't draw all my diagrams, but I have like one which is, is a five-step thing, which gets you from kind of unbelief to sort of like, so okay, I'll, I'll just tell you what So, 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 um, they are, Connect, this is another diagram that I use. Win, disciple, send, and set, this is more a table rather, and, and set apart. So really in my longer diagram, which is the kind of the discipleship and leadership development process, I've got connect is this in one block, right? And win is kind of this in one block. So when I do the longer kind of thing, because then after this, then you say, like you said, um, you know, it needs, it needs to be kind of a cycle, right? But then, like I've got a disciple here, used both used as a verb to disciple the disciples, right? To help them be rooted and established in faith, Ephesians two, and like what happens to happen here, right? Then you need gospel fluency, you need, you know, like all these MC great MC material on that bench over there, plug for that um, to get people established in the faith, and then to follow, so that they can be sent out, so that they can go out and make disciples. And then not everyone gets to this category, but then you set apart some, right? Like a Toby and Adam. They're set apart to lead in the church, right? They're set apart to go and start a new gathering. And then some set, you know, set apart to be pastors, missionaries, what have you. Some people are here. So, so yeah, so that's to say that I agree with that. And the thing about the, the Billy Graham thing as well, <clears throat> I think the important thing to say is, I think sometimes there is a, uh, I don't know, like an unhelpful, version of the Billy Graham strategy uh, I don't know, so I don't, I don't want to be overcritical, but like, let's just think of Hillsong, right? Hillsong's really good at creating a really amazing spectacle, like, we're talking about world-class musical whatever, like production values and all that kind of stuff and they draw a big crowd but, and, and, and I say this because my cousin is in Hillsong and, and, and I went to the wedding where I spoke to the Hillsong pastor that was doing their wedding, and he was one of the guys who wrote the what's that song called? Anastasis, like oh praise the name. You know that song? 
Um, so he, he, so you know, I was talking to him about this whole thing, right? This aspect of of, of uh, Hillsong, and he says, look, we, we so the aspect meaning you draw all these people, they have an encounter with Jesus, but then they all just go away, and you, you don't actually disciple them. And I was trying to say that politely, right? Trying to be like, Abigail, more polite. <laughs> but then, um, but he was like, I mean, that we know that, like we know that ha- that happens, and that's okay. And I'm like, really? What, what do you mean? And he says, oh, because you know. Like, they'll leave us, but then they'll just go to some other church somewhere, and they'll be discipled there. That's all good. Maybe they go to your church, and you disciple them. And so there's almost like a too cavalier attitude about, well, all these people are coming to you, and because you make this amazing thing, machine, but then you're like, well, leave it to Jesus, too. Or leave it to other churches to disciple them. So I think that's what happens sometimes in some evangelistic methods. People come to a thing to hear one guy get up on stage or hear this amazing band, and then they have an encounter and they're like, oh, altar call, go to the front, get slain or whatever. And then, but then we're, we're like, there's no community to disciple them. So they actually don't get to this step. And, um, and some of them fall away, like there's a parable of the soul, right? Some of them actually, yeah, hard soul. Uh, I mean, they're not true, true converts. And, and I think partly is, I don't know, like a, not a fully orbed New Testament picture of discipleship um, alongside mission. I do think that um, the presenting of the gospel needs to be a personal thing, mm-hmm. which is why I was asking um, people from the group that don't hear it, oh, yeah. am I wrong? You know, is it just the power of one person? Because yeah. I mean, God can do what he likes. Yeah, of course. Over all my comments with that. Mm-hmm. Um, but how, what, where was the personal in this? Can you mm-hmm. see? The personal was. I had armies of people to connect. Mm-hmm. Sure. Who came forward to yeah. churches, which is one of the reasons why there was such a yeah, revival. And, and the, one of the other things is that that isn't necessarily a path. Like I mean, you said yourself, that everybody takes, but we've all had experiences where people get to one of those points and jump off. Yes. And you, you know, you were talking about how how um, uh, you, you might present the gospel to someone who becomes a Christian and just gets inside, but a lot of it is because they've been down that path to a point a few times before yes. and then you just are in the right place at the right time and I think that's part of that, you know, God keeps putting the gospel in front of some people in various mm-hmm. ways over a long period of time yep. and eventually yeah. they're there. I mean, just think about our kids, right? How many times, every Sunday they're hearing gospel, like in a million different stories yeah. until they yeah. like, I teach in, in a Christian school and mm. we have often um, Contact from students after long, you know, time, you know, ten years, maybe ten years later, and say, "Hey, look, I became a Christian, mm. not at school, yeah. not because, you know, seeds are sown." Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which so is pretty cool. Can I make a comment and then ask a question? Sure. A comment on what we've been talking about, like um, partly on this really grand conversation, that idea of merging our universes. Yeah. Time, I was yeah. actually just um, rereading this past week that chapter of Santos' book. Yep. Merger Universe, which is his first like evangelism tip. Yep. And he talks about in there like that there's a UK evangelist, I think his name is Rico Tice. Oh, Rico Tice. He looks at like the last fifty years or so in the West mm. and basically um yeah, in about the nineteen fifties or whatever, I don't know the year is exactly. It was a Christianized culture. Mm. And so one reason why the Billy Graham crusade was so successful is because he says like they came on church, church buses. Houses, yeah. So the idea is like they actually were already connected to church. Some people, not everyone, but they're connected to churches. Mm. 
when they came, and so that's probably helped them stay connected to churches. Mm. But because it was already Christianized, they were already like surrounded by people that were Christians and knew the gospel. When they heard Billy Graham preach, they were like, oh, it's hit my heart, I'm going to make that commitment. Yeah. But then the next phase we went into, I think it's around the 80s and 90s, um, people kind of knew about Christianity and they vaguely knew what Christians believed, but they had some defeated beliefs. Yeah. But now we're in a culture where people don't know anything, and if anything, um, Christianity is actually seen as dangerous mm. and like Steve negative. Like Steve McAlpine, like, the bad guys, we're the bad yeah, guys. And like, yeah, and mm. too. And so that's why Santan says, like, you've got to merge your universes. He's actually, like, it hit me when I read it this time. He said, one of the main reasons why your friends aren't Christians is because they don't have a community of Christians around them. Mm. So they don't, like, it's not plausible to them. Yeah. That's his whole idea. Mm. So that's why we have to um, try and merge our universes in different ways. But then my question for you is, um, when we talk about there's that merging universes and then, like, questions and that they're asking us questions and they're interested. What about when they don't ask us questions and they're not interested? Like mm. is that why is that a sign like we're not really open, God's not really at work there at the moment. Yeah. Or is there a way that we can paralyze questions? Because mm-hmm. I know Sanchez also has a whole method of how he can also bring up spiritual things with people yeah. over time and over conversations. Mm. So you tell more about that? What do you do? Because you're a natural evangelist, so how do you, do you like ask certain questions just to get to those areas? Yeah. yeah. So wait, what time? What time are we? Um, maybe we finish 25 parts more. Yeah. So that's a good segue to my second tool. <laughs> so let's go there now. <laughs> <laughs> so my second tool is my gospel conversation thing. Uh, the kind of in Tim Keller's writing, God is subversive fulfillment. Um, but. I uh, like my Sam Chan has a term. This is also in Sam Chan's book, by the way. I just think my my way is easier to remember. I'll tell you my way now. <coughs> my three steps are um, connect. They all start with T because I'm a preacher. They have to alliterate. Confront and Christ. This is my gospel conversation thing, right? In Sam Chan's book, if you if you've read it recently, he calls it assonance, dissonance, and gospel completion. Just two two fancy words, right? Like um, so, so this is hopefully more memorable. Connect, confront, Christ. So, so this is. Um, so I'll give you an example of what I mean by that. So, um, so I was on a plane here on the way here, and uh, I was two almost two hours late. Thankful today for picking me up. Um, but so when I was but in God's providence, I was with the plane on the tarmac, and I saw this this girl sitting next to me. Um, I was kind of a bit sleepy, so I was like kind of half dozy sitting there. I brought my book with me to in case I had time to start reading. Um, biblical critical theory, but keep walking. And then, and all of a sudden, this 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 girl sitting next to me asked the asked the uh, the steward to say, "Hey, hey, can I can I is there something where I can plug my phone in? Can I charge my phone on this flight?" And the steward was like, "Oh, sorry, no, there's no, we, we don't have that facility, blah blah." blah. And he's like, really? I thought we can't do that with flight, blah blah. And I'm like, but uh, I'm trying what do you do? Um, so, <laughs> so no, that's, that's not what I led with. But uh, what I led with was, hey, can I help you? That's what I led with. I said that later. Um, and I said, hey, you know, um, I see you got an iPhone. Um, I, I've got actually my laptop sitting here. 
and um, and what I can do is I can actually ch connect your phone to my laptop and I can charge your phone. She's like, oh, thank you so much, blah, blah. You know, um, and then we start charging it. So she needs to send a message to her partners to tell, tell him that the flight's being delayed, blah, blah, blah. And then um, and she said, you know what? I was actually, I'm actually super sleep deprived and um, I was going to fall asleep, but hey, tell me about you. <laughs> um, so what, 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 what are you going to the city? And I'm like, oh, I'm actually a pastor. Uh, this is a classic kind of thing, right? When you're a pastor, it's easy, super easy to start spiritual conversations. Um, um, but you guys also have another good, good sort of on-ramp that's called what you do on the weekend. Um, uh, but anyway, so what do you do? I'm like, I'm a pastor. I'm going, I'm going to Sydney to, to do a camp. And, um, and, and like, you know, I just go there. You know, I'm just going to give a, a few talks to people, teach them about Jesus from the Bible, blah, blah. And she was like, oh, okay, okay. And then... And then and she's like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I um, yeah, my dad's actually, uh, uh, he, he actually is a, a pastor. And I was like, oh, oh, interesting. And then as she was talking, then I realized that she herself was not a believer, even though her dad was a pastor. And that's it. So, <clears throat> so, um, so at this point of the story, we're we're over here, and we've done this, right? I've done this kind of charger, <laughs> MacBook serving as a charger. Great MacBook Pro. So connect. I've served her in a practical way. I've loved her. Right? Um, <clears throat> and then all of a sudden she's open to me now. So, <clears throat> and then I find out about her. She's a, uh, she is, you know, and then I say, oh, so tell me about, um, how did you kind of like, what, what happened? Like, uh, so how did you, because I say, oh, my brother also, was, you know, grew up in the same home. My dad's a pastor as well, but he's, you know, he's no longer a follower of Jesus. And then, and then he, and I said, well, tell me a story. How did, you know, what, what happened? And then she said, oh, you know, I've got nothing against Christians. I actually think that religion is a beautiful thing. Christianity is a beautiful thing. And I'm sure that many people are benefited from it. So she's not hostile. But then she said, you know what? I actually never really believe. I was like, I didn't have a bad experience growing up. My dad and mom were like loving parents. My sister is a pastor uh, in, I don't know, in Perth or something. Um, which is so interesting. She's like from Sydney, right? So Sydney. It's like, Sydney, I would then. And 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 um, like female pastors are like, does that happen? So so then then and 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 then, but then she uh, and then she said, um, but yeah. So it wasn't you know it wasn't my parents did. Like they were really great parents. We grew up. I love going to youth group. Or, or I, I still I still have connections with some of my youth group friends. You know we were there. It was so fun. Blah blah blah. Um, and I said, but I never really believed. I never actually, you know, um, and, and I said, I think, so they're like, oh, wait, wait, when did you stop going to church then? And she was like, oh, when I was like 15 or, or 16, I, I stopped going to church. And I'm like, okay. Um, and so, and so, so, I, so she said, I think it's great and helpful, but, you know, like, it's, it's not my truth, right? Like, I, I've got other, you know, uh, <coughs> yeah, I find me in other ways. And, um, and so, um, so in that, so then the kind of um, so that's interesting, kind of like just working out what she what she believed, and then um, still in that connect phase, I don't know what how the conversation kind of unfolded. But I was telling her about what I preached last Sunday, which was we're doing a gospel story creation, it's a new creation. So I preached on Genesis one, and I was talking to her about um, how uh, Christianity sort of. Um, 
you know, people misunderstand Christianity and how, um, so in a sense of subtly confronting, right, like undoing defeated beliefs, kind of like this Christian space, and saying, you know, people often think that Christians are like, you know, not environmentally conscious or unsustainable, but you know what, this is what Genesis says, and they talk about the command to Genesis 2.15 that Adam was told to work the garden and watch over it. And both of these two impulses here, like the image of God. God is creator, but he's also a ruler, and he rules um, like a shepherd, like cultivating the, 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 the inspiration. And so, and then she was like, oh, that's, that's really good. And, and, and then she said, but how do you know what, um, what to take from the Bible and what not to take? Because like, in the Old Testament, there's all this kind of stuff about murder and healing, all this kind of yeah, stuff that I'm sure you don't believe in. So she's here, right, questioning to use that framework. And then I said, you know, um, oh, right, well, well, because there is a genuine shift that happens when, you know, from the Old Testament to the New Testament, when Jesus comes, and, um, and also the people of God are different. So in the Old Testament, they're a, they're a nation state, whereas now we're, we're a transcultural community. And so, so back then, so the way that nations relate to other nations is different from uh, uh, you know, a, a spiritual community. And so, so of course, like, you know, uh, Israel would have the right to defend their sovereign uh, sovereignty as a nation against the Philistines who are attacking them in the same way that Australia, we have an army to protect us. Which is now, oh, that makes sense. So that's kind of all these kind of defeated beliefs. And then I said, um, and then I said to her, uh, and this is kind of to your point, right? Can I share with you? So sometimes people ask me this question, like, so how did you become a pastor? That's my goal. I have a kind of set strategy. And, um, <laughs> But when, when they don't ask me that question, I ask them that question sometimes. Hey, can I tell you about how I became a pastor? Because she asked me the question, right? That, uh, that you're a pastor, blah, blah, blah. So then I tell them my testimony, right? I, I tell them my testimony about, which I shared on, on, on maybe not everyone here is the first night, but I'll, I, won't, I won't go through it again. But basically, I shared the story of how I lost my mom and how I had these questions about death, right? And that, that is a question that we all face. And, um, and, and basically, Jesus comes to defeat, uh, to, 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 you know, on the cross to pay the penalty for sin, to give us forgiveness of sin, we rise from the Jesus of sin. And so in a sense, I'm here, I'm gently confronting the world people. Like, so there's like questions being asked, right? I'm making certain assertions about the Christian worldview, and I'm telling my testimony here, which is kind of confronting her idea that, oh yeah, Christianity is good, for some, you know, it's good for you that you have it, it's good for, you know, I'm sure a lot of people benefit from it, but I'm trying to confront her and kind of gently say, hey, you know, we actually, we actually all face this problem of death, right? It's, so it's, that's not a kind of all, it's good for some people think. We all have to face death. And Jesus is the only one who can bring, bring us out of, of this predicament that we have death. So in a sense, I've kind of really, you know, like I've really done this in the same step. In this situation, sometimes it's more explicitly separate, but, um, but yeah, so in Sam Chan's uh, uh, kind of uh, example, he says, it's kind of like when, when you go to, go to a counselor uh, in the first step, his, his example is, you go to a counselor, and you know this counselor is a great listener, and one of the counselors do is, he's a his counselor, and he'll hold a glass of water. And then, so Sam, ask him, so Sam, tell me about what's on your heart, and then, and then be like, blah, 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 and then, and then the, the counselor, instead of giving, uh, saying stuff, will just 
have a sip, and that's the cue for you to keep talking, right? Uh, and, and somehow it just works, and I just pour up the heart. And so that's what we do in this step. We're just like the counselor taking a sip of water, which is the cue to say, hey, I'm, I'm here to listen to you. I'm making that really genuine, heartfelt connection, empathy. So I think the problem is when we Christians go here without that, they get to, here's why you're wrong, without any empathy, right? And it's sort of jump, like, going from cancer, gradually going to Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally, totally. Uh, and, uh, and, yeah, so, 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 Sam, 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 so Sam chances the first step of connect, what he calls assonance, is like, you're both nodding your heads together, like, you're at a, you're at a, you know, at a pub or whatever, you both have a dream, and you're like, yeah, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, you're both kind of like nodding, right? And then, and then confront. He, he's, he's, his image for confront is he, confronting, where basically he's like, confront is like you take their glass and you empty it out. <laughs> That's the image for. And you know that beer, like Foster's, is just like, you know. Like, <laughs> um, and, and then, but then, Christ is basically, here's the better beer. Right? You're like, Sorry for tipping that up here, have some of this. And you're giving them a better, a better story, right? That's why we have living in story. It's giving them out narrating the narrative that they believe. And so that's kind of the process. I'm not. Uh, do you want to ask you questions or will you find out to bring you one more quick example about how this looks like? Yeah. Example? Yeah. Okay, so second example, this one was actually definitely in the top, was um, me, my brother, who's not a Christian, come from Toronto to Chinese New Year. And uh, we had a mutual friend, uh, his name's Kelvin. Um, and uh, basically, three of us were at the, at the pub, and um, and and I was an, I was the I was the designated driver, so I was drinking non-alcoholic beer. Um, I drank this thing called Keeps Normal, so it's actually really good. And then I found out that my new colleague at City to City is the guy who owns the company, who's actually run by Christians. Um, helping us to have good beer that's not alcoholic. Um, very, very Christ-like. Um, um, and then, and then so, so anyway, I was there. So I was serving them, right? I was, I was serving them. I was, being the, I was taking you know, the hit by not drinking actual beer and being the driver and all that. And then while they were all kind of, you know, not sculling, but slowly drinking their beers, they became uh, increasingly inebriated, and that also led to them being increasingly open. You might have realized that could happen. And so all of a sudden, they're sharing things with me that they've never shared with me. Like my own brother telling me about some sexual stuff he's done in the past. I'm like, ooh, I need to know that. Like, and, and it's like, <clears throat> and I'm just like, um, um, I think it was, it was actually, um, he was telling me that he, 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 he had done um, with involving polyamory. Um, and, you're just like telling me all this stuff, and the question was the question they were asking was, how do you know? Because I'm married, <coughs> uh, my brother's single, and Kelvin is um, living together with his partner. Um, and they asked me, how do you know that she's the one? Because I'm afraid that I'm afraid of settling. That was the thing. I'm afraid of settling, and and kind of, you know, how do you know that you're the one, and it's gonna work? So Kelvin answered the question first, and he said, <clears throat> "You know what? I, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know that she's the one. So this is what we do." And he was like, "We're actually really like, proud of it." He's like, "So what we do? Is like, 
you know, really mature kind of thing that came up with was once a year, we have an annual meeting, right? we just set time and we come together and we really open our hearts and say, where are we at? Do our values still align? And say, you know what, if the day comes, we we'll go to that meeting, an annual meeting, and we find our values still align, we're just going to be, you know, without rancor, without malice, we're just going to say, well, that's all right, well, we'll just go our separate way. And, uh, and so there I was thinking, hmm, that's interesting. <laughs> so, so here I was thinking about the process. So I've connected with them first by drinking with them. Um, and then they've, they've asked the question, they've opened up, so there's kind of enough trust and empathy that they're being really open with personal things. And then here, here is a very obvious, more obvious confrontation. So I basically say, hey man, it's really interesting what you say. I've never heard anyone do this before. But have you thought of one thing? Like, firstly, you know how, I know how much you love my kids. How do you reckon that's going to work if you have kids? And you're stuck. Clearly not very forward thinking, right? <laughs> he couldn't answer the question. Like, because, well, what happens if you just don't know why? What happens to your kids? And, um, and then I said to him, it's really interesting how you, what you describe, because it seems to me that in our kind of, you know, society today, we're so influenced by market society. So we're so, our thinking is so influenced by consumerism and commercial uh, transaction that it sounds to me that what you have is kind of like you're operating with commercial categories. Like it sounds to me like, this is like a performance review, like an annual performance review. <laughs> and, and, and I said, I, I don't think that's good long term, like with love and respect, I, I don't think that might be the best thing. Very confronting thing to say. But after real empathy, connection, drink like four beers, kind of that. <laughs> and then Christ, and I said, let me tell you how I know that my life is the one. How, how, how I know that heaven is the one. Well, if, from a Christian worldview, we have this, our approach to marriage is built around something called covenant. Covenant is a promise, it's different from a contract, which is, sounds like what you, you originally have is closer to being a contract. And in covenant, we're actually making a pledge to each other that no matter what happens, in sickness or death, or that we, we are bonded together to death with And uh, and that promise is based on, on Jesus. Our shared, in a sense, I guess you say it's a shared value, right? We have this shared value of Jesus. And so we, we submit ourselves to Him and His way. And in there is the kind of the blessing of marriage. And, then, and that's a great sort of foundation for kids. It's the only proper foundation for children to flourish. And then I said, and it, you know, one of the key ideas in Christianity is the gospel. That means that. Even though we have failed God, God does not condemn us to hell forever. But He says, "Send Son," and that is the ultimate act of grace. And so we have forgiveness in Christ. And so we take that same paradigm, Kelly and I, and we apply it to our marriage. So it means that even if I failed her, our starting point is always grace. That we forgive one another. And so the question is not so much. I know I never asked that question. Like, have I settled? That's not even the question that I've asked because I know. Because the, the question, have I settled, is, is she good enough for me? Well, I'm asking even the opposite way. Am I even good enough for her? Am I a perfect husband? I've, I've heaps of flaws. And, and, and in the same way, she's not a perfect wife either. She's, is she good enough for me? That's the same, like, it both works both ways. And we are both 
imperfect people trying to love each other. And so we're not wondering oh, who's better than who. We both need grace. We both need the grace that comes from Jesus. And so that's how I know she's the one. And so in that conversation, we've gone from that to that to that. And he wasn't offended. I could feel like, I could feel the pierce of like my comment, right? But it's, you know, as Proverbs says, it's wounds from a friend. He knows I love him. And so he received that as from a friend. And I have, I'm hoping to have that follow-up conversation. This is quite recent. So I haven't had the follow-up conversation yet. But I'll request that further, right? But he's responding to the opportunity. So I didn't go to that thing, planning, oh, I'm going to have this 3.7. It's, they started opening up our relationships. And that's perfect. Sorry, not, not much time left, but questions. Yeah. Because I feel like sometimes I avoid bringing yeah. it up because I'm scared they'll ask me yeah, something yeah, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. 
So I think first thing is to own that, you know, we, we're, we're going to make mistakes and if we do, that's okay because God's got it, but He's sovereign. That's the really important thing to say. But then I would say the way to upskill is actually to learn biblical theology. So basically, what, what I would say, what I'm doing here is I'm taking a theme that has emerged in a conversation. And that theme is basically love, sex, marriage, right, relationships, what, 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 that, this, this, this category, right? And so what I've done is I've taken this theme of, like, you know, the biblical master category, I think that's this marriage, and I've taken marriage, right, and I've kind of threaded it through this, right? And, and what is the, oh, I forgot to say one last thing I did tell you was, that we, as Christians we believe that what marriage is, is a picture of the gospel. It's a picture of Christ's love, the greatest love story. Christ's love for the peace bride and that in marriage as Christians we believe that we live out that story and how we treat each other in marriage that's the point of marriage so anyway I've got to say that thing so what I've done here is I've taken I've responded to the opportunity and I've drawn that thread through that if someone like let's say you know let's say I don't know like the, the topic was uh, nature like or climate change or what, what, what you know climate change let's say right and, and sustainability no, no. take that theme and thread it through. Creation fall, right? Redemption, new creation, right? What, what does Genesis say about that? What, what does fall tell us about that? What does Jesus say about that, about, about sustainability and environment? And then what does the final picture of new creation look like when Jesus will come to restore? We believe. Why, do we, why are we sustainable? Because we believe Jesus is going to come and restore this earth to its former glory and even greater glory. Um, and, you know what I mean? So, so biblical theology is actually, I think, the key to gospel theology where you take a theme and run through the gospel story. That's my nutshell answer, but... Can I ask that? Yeah, please. I need to... Um, when, when you have experienced freedom and transformation in areas in your life that the gospel has done that to you, mm. then you want to share it with your friend who's struggling with something as well, and it comes out of you're actually being a witness to what you have seen and heard because Jesus is alive and active and still receiving and hearing Jesus. And so you can tell what you've seen and heard without going into that strategy mode and um, becoming a, you know, going through all the controls. But yeah, but the beauty of it is that we get theological truth every Sunday that's so sound and then also in our GCs we're learning as well. But then the actual like when the rubber hits the road and your life is transformed by that theory. It would mm. just come out. Yeah. You want you want to not say what you want to say. And yeah. I think it's okay too. Like if somebody asks a really specific question like what does the Bible say about this, it's alright to go, oh I didn't I don't know exactly what it says, but then that's just an opportunity for you to go, I don't know what the Bible says about that. And then that can give you some direction in, okay, I'm going to start looking because one day somebody else will ask me that question. Or you can go back to your friend and go, hey, you know, we were talking about that thing last week. I went and looked into it and I asked the people and this is what I found and maybe this will be helpful. Or, yeah. you know, so it's all right to just not know and yeah. say, I, I don't know. So good. Yeah. And that actually connects that because you're saying basically I don't know, but let's go on the journey together. Like 
opportunity for you to spend time connecting, yeah. building that trust together on something that you and, and you you get some spiritual nourishment out of that too. And that's something that I've experienced at several times. Like we we have a few people ask, even just in our GC, we'll 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 ask questions. We're going through our little um, circle of yeah. modern social questions. We'll ask a question and we're like, oh, I have no idea. You know, we just kind of spend some time spinning around and asking questions and get some nourishment out of that. And you, you can include someone else in that. It's one on you. And, and just a quick comment on both that, what you said about the, kind of, sorry, Anita, what you said about the, the testimony thing, to as an answer to Hope's question about what happens when they don't ask you questions. And often I think it's sort of like they don't feel either too apathetic or they don't feel comfortable enough to open up. Um, what I would suggest actually is testimonies, like mini testimonies of how God has impacted you. So I can share about, like for me, I'm like, I can share about things in the past. Like, you know, I actually used to be really angry. I used to be like really in some ways, you know, things, I would say things that would be, could be categorized as abusive, like verbally abusive. But actually, Jesus changed me because X, Y, Z. I mean, you know, you need to find the right balance, right? So it's not super, like, hey, here's the story. Like, it needs to be kind of natural. But sharing those testimonies, I think, is a really powerful way to do that. Absolutely. I was speaking of that as well, because, like, vulnerability begets vulnerability. Like, if yeah. somebody doesn't feel like you're on the same wavelength as them, they're not going to open up. So a really great way to connect with somebody and to open up the opportunity to share the testimony is to create a, an environment where you can be vulnerable with them. Mm. And the great thing about being a Christian is you can be completely and totally vulnerable and you're still safe to do. Whereas the other people don't quite have that same safety net. Yeah. Spot on. Spot on. Yeah.